your word. Speak on behalf of your spirit. So, Lord, let my lips be anointed today that they may speak to this group of people in a fashion, God, that they're challenged and changed and maybe revelation. Maybe someone has broken off their walk with you, but today they're going to leave here with a hand in hand with you, God, and that's what really matters. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. I'm going to perhaps do some pastoring today. If you are a guest here, um, um, just some of this may not apply to our guests, but I'm going to pastor today. Is that okay? Um, I guess it doesn't matter. It's going to be anyway. Um, over the last few weeks, the Lord has been dealing with me, and I feel like my messages have reflected that. And um, feel as though as the Lord's been dealing with me, I want to get the church to understand that we don't need just a walk with God. I want an intimate relationship with God. We come into the house of the Lord. We pray. We seek God. We worship. And we come to a place that we only, we talked about it last week, about breaking the mold in our worship and how we get outside ourselves, so to speak. And we had a wonderful time last week. We we packed it out. We had 80 people here, and we worshiped the Lord. We thanked the Lord for what he did. But it's, 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 God wants to do something greater than the shout, than the dance. The Lord wants to reveal himself to us even a greater fashion. Now, I'm not one to say that I have all the answers, but I know who does have all the answers, and it's in this book right here. Because God himself is revealed through this book, and I don't want to leave anything out. I don't want to believe this page but forget the other side of the page. And um, I'm going to bridge a little bit of a gap because I felt the Lord speak to me. And I preached at Breaking Bread Apostolic Church on Tuesday. And um, I'm not going to preach that message, but I'm going to say a few things from that message that I believe the Lord has shown me. And then we're going to bridge that gap, and I'm going to kind of merge two messages together. Is that okay? Um, Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 27. And then we'll go to Matthew 6. We'll end up in Matthew chapter number 6. Genesis chapter number 27. Um, You see, there's a man by the name of Isaac who had the blessing of his father, Abraham. And he lived under the blessing of Abraham. And then Isaac had a son, had two sons named um, uh, Jacob and Esau. And Esau was the older of, of the younger, but it was prophesied that, that the younger would serve, or the older would serve the younger. And we come to the place where um, Isaac was getting old, which falls to all of us one way or one time or another. And um, verse number 32 of Genesis 27, And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. Now we understand that Isaac was not Esau, but he tried to betray or to deceive his father into thinking that he was Esau. Everybody say amen. Everybody familiar with that story? And Isaac trembled very exceedingly. See, when you are under, you're trying to deceive, um, it's difficult to hold yourself together when you are deceiving somebody. That's why there's lie detector tests. <laughs> now, when we come to the Lord, there is no lie detector test. God knows what our thoughts are. His spirit is that detector. And then when those two things come together, something is birthed. It's called conviction. Okay. Um, so he said, and Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great 
and exceeding bitter cry and said, And as far bless me, even me also, my father. And he said, I, Thy brother came with subtly and hath taken away thy blessing. So Esau was pretty upset that, he, that, um, um, that Isaac had taken the blessings of God. But if you know the story, Isaac, um, Isaac was, uh, excuse me, Jacob uh, was a man that was a deceiver. He, he, he deceived his father to try to get the blessing, and which he did. And then um, Isaac or Jacob was a was a man that lived under the blessing of his house, but still lived a life of, dece- of, of a deceiver. And I, I preached this on Tuesday, and I believe that there are people in the house today and in our lives that you can feel the blessings of God, but you're still deceiving yourself. You can still deceive yourself. You can deceive others while feeling blessed. So we find that Jacob, um, so Jacob was lived a life as a deceiver, supplanter. He was a, he was a man that under the guise got to the, deceive his father for a blessing. Um, you can't deceive God, but you can still live in blessing. You can feel the blessings of the Holy Ghost here today, but still be deceived. Because Jacob in his own father's house had the blessings of his father, but still lived a very deceitful man. He goes out of his father's house of the place of blessing. He goes to a place. A couple chapters over, he goes to a place where he had an awe-inspiring moment with the Lord. And chapter number 28, if you want to flip over there. And he had a dream. Everybody said he had a dream. Now, remember, Jacob was still a deceiver, a supplanter. Just because you are living, just because you have a dream doesn't mean you're still, your heart's still far away from God. I try to rectify with people. They have dreams. They have all those things. But I really measure where is your heart? What, what is God trying to show you to get you out of that place of deception? So God, verse number 12 of Genesis number 28, and he dreamed to behold a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to the heaven. Behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. That means the angels were already here because they were ascending and descending. And then verse number 16, it said, Jacob awaked out of his sleep. Everybody say he woke up. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Um, So Jacob had a moment with God that God gave him a dream and gave Jacob a revelation of who God was and that he was right there with him. But Jacob was still a deceiver. His name had not changed yet. Many of you understand the story. And until Jacob wrestled with the angel, then and then only was his name changed from deceiver to Israel. That tells me today that you cannot, you can, let me just put it this way, you can live a blessed life and still be deceived. You can have the revelation of who Jesus is and still live deceived. And be a deceiver. But until you get a relationship with God and the Spirit of Christ come upon you, then God will change your name because the Bible says a new name is written down in glory. And I want it to be mine when we surrender our life completely to God. And what happened was Jacob had to rectify his sin with God. In order for there to be a relationship with God, he had to ask God to forgive him. And then God would change his, to change his name. He changed how he walked. He changed how he blessed him. And God began to restore the blessings of the family with Jacob. So a relationship had to be established with God. Not only blessing, not only dream dreams. That means God can give dreams to anybody. It doesn't mean you're anointed of God and under the full blessings of God and the full revelation of God just because you have a dream. I I was a young man that would come to me and he said, he said, I had another dream. I'm like, fantastic. 
Let me tell, tell me about it. He would tell me to dream, and, and a lot of it would line up to the Word of God. But my heart would have great compassion because God was trying to reveal himself to him, but yet he was still walking away from God. What God is trying to do to us when he gives us a dream or if he gives us a vision, if you will, he's trying to fulfill his blessing in your life. He's trying to reveal himself in a way that you will have a relationship with him. Everybody say relationship. But I can go on so far to say that I don't want to live in a, just a blessed life. I don't want to just have dreams and, and have a periodically a, a relationship with him and God show me things. But I want to get a hold of God just like Jacob did. And I want my name to be changed. I want my life to be changed. I want my walk to change. I want to everything in me, want to, it to be changed. But i got to get a hold of God and God's got to get a hold of me. So... Sin is the thing that breaks the relationship. So if I would be so daring to have everybody in this room that is walking in sin right now to stand, I venture to say nobody would probably want to stand. But there are people that are under the guise of blessing, under the guise of having revelation, under the guise that everything was okay, but you have not really gotten a hold of God, and God really has not gotten a hold of you yet. Because you're not willing for the flesh to wrestle with God. You're not willing for your flesh to be submitted to the power of God. You're not willing to come to the horns of the altar and hold on until something changes. And we know that God is never changing, so this flesh has got to change. But the, the, the difficulty is that many of us do not want the flesh to change. That's why people don't want to come to the house of God, because there is a spirit of conviction that falls on us. And all of a sudden, we see the things that God is showing to us of how our life needs to be right in the sight of God. So we resist the change because our flesh is weak. But the Bible says sometimes our spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But all God is trying to do is to bring back a relationship with you. He came from heaven, robed himself in flesh, dwelt among us, died on a cross to repair the relationship with you. He became as a perfect sacrifice unto us. Which brings us to Matthew chapter number 6. Now, like I said before, I'm going to do some pastoring perhaps in this service here today and um, in revelation of the word of God. I want to have not only a relationship with God, forgiven of my sins, but I want to step in a relationship of intimacy with God. There's a difference. There's a difference when you have total trust in God. I uh, a relationship with God means, yeah, we're good friends. And, you know, I, I, I like the song, but I don't like the song. I am a friend of God. You know, he knows me. Hey, we're pals. I don't want to just be pals with God. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I do like the song, but I don't want to just be him being my friend and, and, you know, we're just piling around. No, I want to have an intimate relationship with God. And I'm going to show you through the Word of God on how to have an intimate relationship with God because I believe our church is growing spiritually, but we have got to get to the place that we, we don't just want a haphazard, just a once-in-a-while kind of relationship. I want to get down where the rubber meets the road with the Lord, and I want to have full trust. I, I want to have full authority in the name of Jesus Christ. I, I want him to release his blessings to me. I want to have the, the understanding of who God is, but I want to have it in a deep, unfathomable way with Jesus Christ. I, I want to know him for who he is. So, I don't think I've ever preached on one of the things that I'm going to share with you today. I've taught about it, but I've never preached on this subject. One of the things, there were three things in Matthew chapter number six that gets us to a intimate relationship with God. Everybody say three. three. Or three things. And they are things that will challenge your spirit. Some of you may walk out of here and say, well, I'll never do that. But we're going to preach it anyway because it's in the word of God. We find, let's set up Matthew chapter number six. 
The Lord has already been on the Mount of Beatitudes. He, he begins to, in fact, in Matthew chapter number 4, he went up and he, he fasted. And in chapter number 5 was the Beatitudes where he said he opened his mouth and taught, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, before, uh, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We love this chapter because it sets up. It's, it tells me that I am blessed if I can have a pure heart, if I, if I am merciful, if I, if I can hunger and thirst after after righteousness, I can be filled with the presence of God. I want to be meek. I want to be poor in spirit. I, I want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, I want the kingdom of heaven. I said, I want the kingdom of heaven. Verse number 16, Matthew 5 says, Let your light so shine. Let your light of holiness so shine before man that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Verse number 17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to read verse number 19 and maybe jump down to verse number 22. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men uh, so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse number 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without curse, without cause, shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in the danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in the danger of hell fire. He goes from the Beatitudes to getting to hell. He goes on and teaches on temptation. He goes on through the chapter and teaches on divorce, teaches on oaths. He teaches on forgiveness, about loving your enemies. And then we go all the way to Matthew chapter number 6. And he begins to change course just a little bit because he wants to give the revelation of having an intimate relationship with him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. I love those scriptures. We can preach about it. I tell you what, I could preach about 15, 20 minutes, and y'all be standing on your feet about being, being blessed of God. Right? We can do that. You don't, you don't think preachers get up here to get you on your feet sometimes? I have sometimes planned my messages so I know that I can say keywords to get people on their feet. Call that manipulation if you want. It's a persuasive speech is what this is. And we can, we can do that. We can, we can get people on their feet, but I usually it's a setup for, to bring revelation. When you're celebrating the Lord, it's easier to receive the Word of God. Maybe that's why Matthew chapter number 5 is written like it was, because Matthew chapter number 6, he begins the pastor, if you will. Verse number 1, take heed that ye do not, uh, do not uh, your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, everybody say, when you do it. Let not thine left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall be rewarded, shall reward thee openly. I'm going to talk about intimacy with God. This first step, the Bible, the Lord begins to share with us, to teaching us on the principle of giving. Everybody say giving. It's about to get uncomfortable. Giving unto the Lord. You see, giving, why is it one of the three areas that build intimacy with God? It's because you're taking what you hold dear and giving it to the Lord when it's, you know, you're just, it's faith in God. It's basically saying, Lord, what I have, I'm giving it to you. But we got that all backwards. Giving is not giving what's mine to the Lord. Giving is basically returning my gift that God has already given back to him. God has blessed us. I don't know how many times I hear people say, God blessed me with a job. God blessed me with this. God gave me, blessed me with the finances. But we withhold, we get selfish after we receive the blessing of the job. 
And what happens is it's fun to, it's fun to worship the blessing, but we, sometimes we withhold because selfish, selfishness sets in, if you will, or lack of understanding sets in. And so we with, with, withhold giving back what is rightfully God's. See, I want to have an intimate relationship with God. And when I return back to him what is rightfully his, there is a blessing that comes down my way. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 7. I love this scripture. I love, love this scripture. Turn with me to Hebrews 7, chapter number, chapter number 7, verse number 5. It says, and verily they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of priesthood have, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received the tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And verse number 8, you got to understand this scripture. And here men that die receive tithes. What is it talking about here? We, as, the, as a church, me as a pastor, we receive tithes unto the storehouse. But there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. That means it tells me I may give my tithes to mortal men, but I am a witness of the miraculous hand of God when I give it. You have to understand that scripture. What, I told you it's going to get uncomfortable in here, and things are going to get a little better. Uh, but we're going to get to something a little more encouraging here in just a moment. You may clap your hands in a moment. You probably won't clap your hands during the tithe and offering portion of this message. Here men that die receive tithes. So we may receive those things, but I give it as a witness to him that liveth. I give of my, my finances, I give of my tithes and my offering because I am a witness. I don't know about you, but I've heard reports says, you know, God spoke to me to give. And when I gave, just a moment later, God gave back to me. There are many people that, that have given unto the Lord. I don't know, I, I, we've, my wife and I have been faithful in our tithes and offerings since I was, before we were married, since I was 15 years of age. And I begin to give unto the Lord. And there has not been one time that I have not been able to pay a bill. There's not been one time that God has not brought me through. There's not been one time that God didn't set me upon a rock to stay. There's not been one moment that God has not helped me, that has not directed me, that has not gone through. People say, Pastor, well, you don't understand. You don't understand. I've been laying up treasures in heaven. My dad and mom taught me when I went to the bank and they helped set up an account. They said, guess what? I remember my mom talk, took me to the Finance Federal Credit Union on the east side of town. She said, here's a checking account. This is how we're going to set up. But guess what? Your tithes come first. Okay? There was a principle that was instilled in me that my tithes and my offering come to the storehouse first. Mortal men receive it, but we do it as a witness unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, tithing is a tenth of one's produce or income justly required and uh, consecrated or set apart and dedicated to God. Paid as an obligation in obedience to God's command in the church so there may be meat in the storehouse. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there, that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. I'm here to tell you today when you give of your tithes and your offering, there is an intimate relationship you step into. But God, God goes, I see your faith. I see your dedication. I see your love for my, my house. I see your love for my people. So I want to blow out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. Now, I don't do it for the blessing. I do it because the word tells me to. But out of, that, out of that obedience of the tithe and offering comes a blessing from God Almighty. And here's something that many of us will say, or some of us have said, that tithing is not something that was under the law. But let me just tell you this, the Mosaic law did not enact or, uh, or, 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 or uh, promulgate, I guess the word I could use, or, or to... Um, uh, call out or to reign supreme or to, to uh, say it aloud. The, the Mosaic law did not speak tithing into existence. Tithing existed before the Mosaic law was, was, was even, uh, even brought to his people. What the Mosaic law did was to regulate tithing. 
So tithing came before the Mosaic law and is throughout scriptures from the beginning until we are today. The law itself had its anchor of the promises of God to Abraham and all his uh, descendants. Henceforth, tithing is not under the law. The name priest first occurs as applied to Melchizedek in Genesis 14 and 18, then God the Most High. And hence, even the priesthood office did not come about as a result of the Mosaic or Levitical law. You see, under the Levitical Levitical arrangements, the office of priesthood was limited to the tribe of Levi and to only one family of that tribe and a family of Aaron. So just to tell me that tithing and offering was just under Mosaic law, no, it was before the Mosaic law. That means it tells me before the Mosaic law, before Moses even put those laws in a place, tithing was a practice unto the house of God. You can look at that through Genesis. Now the uncomfortable part is gone. See, I didn't think you'd be able to clap, shout amen. But I want an intimate relationship with God. You see what tithing and offering does? It releases the blessings of God and me to step freely into the presence of God and have him bless me as I bless him. Let me just say it this way, just to, to throw it. I do not live for the church income. Let me just throw that out there real quick. Tell you where my heart is. I'm not preaching on this just because we don't have a bunch of tithe givers or givers. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I want you to have an intimate relationship with God. I want you to step into a mode of relationship with God of total faith and trust in him. I didn't quit my job three years ago to start a church with seven members. I can't live off of seven members given to the Lord. And two of them are children. (laughs) And I know they ain't bringing money into the household. All the money they give is, get is from mom and dad. <laughs> so we didn't come here to, 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 to build a church with, with just, uh, just you know, an agenda. But we came to do the work of God through God's people for this community. But I want to have a deeper relationship with God through a full trust and transparency with Him. Matthew chapter number 6. The first thing of intimacy with God that we just talked about was giving unto the kingdom of God. Everybody say giving. If you don't believe me about the miracle working of tithing and offering, see me after service. I'll give you plenty of examples of how God has blessed our family. I don't know how many times when, when we, my wife looked at me and she said, Tim, I don't think you should get a job when we start this church. We're going to need your time. We, you don't need to be tied up to 40 to 50 hours a week on a job tra- and then also pastoring. And I, I'm glad that came from her. It didn't come from me. She said, I'll work and you work free for the church. So I st- we stepped out in faith and, and God, God began to bless. And don't you know, God made a way. We took half of our income out of our, out of our life and, out of, and God still made a way. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but God still made a way. There was a family in Kentucky who called me after we moved. And he said, you know what, uh, uh, Brother Brian, he said, I I don't know what, but God just laid me on the heart. You're going to receive a check every month for one full year. So this man, his family began to, out of the abundance of his heart, began to write a check to Timothy Bryan. He says, God's going to do a work for you, and this is going to bless you. And don't you know, there have been times in that first year that we were $200 short, and a check came in the mail when God began to bless us. Why? I don't understand how it happens, but I know I want an intimate relationship with God, that God will bless me if I bless him. I don't know how it works. I don't know what, how it takes place. All I know is I get a communion with God, and I begin to speak to him, and I bless him, and he begins to pour out upon me blessings that I cannot contain. And I don't do it for mortal men. I do it to reveal that Jesus is alive. I don't give unto mortal men. I don't give to this place that can burn down tomorrow, but I give it to the kingdom of God. Because it is a witness that God is still on the throne. You can't tell me that the, the, the things don't show up on our doorstep sometimes right when God, uh, right when we need it. 
I remember dad telling me stories of how we did, they didn't know how it happened, but groceries just show up at somebody's house, show up at their house when he was a kid. They did, somebody would give out groceries when they didn't have anything else in the cupboard. Somebody know what I'm talking about. When you give unto the Lord, God's going to say, I see you. You've been, you've been laying some insurance policy in heaven. Both and rust and cannot corrupt those things, so I, I'm going to give unto you return back to blessings in your life. Second thing in Matthew chapter number six was prayer. Now we can get a little more comfortable in this place here today because prayer is a thing that brings intimacy with God. Everybody say prayer. Verse number five, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Don't you bring just a, a lying tongue or deceitful tongue to the Lord. God is looking for somebody that says, I know who you are, and I felt your blessings, and I want a deep relationship with you. Where is your prayer life today? Where is your, your, where is your walk with God? Do you have a relationship with God where it's not awkward when you get up to talk to him? I said, is it awkward when you kneel down to pray? Is it awkward you don't find the words to say, I'm here to tell you today? Sometimes, yes, it is a little bit awkward. Sometimes, yes, you don't know what the words to say. But, oh, I know what I can say is that, God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me of my wrongdoings because I want to get back to that intimate time with you. I like this word, and I think the Lord shared this word with me when it comes to prayer. Prayer is communication with God. Some may say amen. But the other word that I like to use here today is communion with God. You see, communion is God's communication to us coupled with our response to Him. All in such a way that He's glorified and we leave glad. You see, communion is close communication with God. Happen when we do the Lord's Supper. We, 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 we give communion of the Lord's Supper, and we'll, we'll do that later on this year. But we'll have a time of communion, and that's, that's one way that we have communion with the Lord, and that's one way we picture communion. But communion is more than raising a cup and taking a piece of bread. What it is is say, God, I believe in your word. I believe in what you're saying. I believe in what you're doing. I believe, God, and I'm going to communicate with you, and I want to have a communication so close that I can feel feel the love of you and you can speak to me and I can be unguarded in my relationship and my communication with you. All in such a way that he's glorified. You see, prayer and communion with God is his expressed nature into our lives and then our response to him. There's something that comes over my spirit and many of you feel the same way when you begin to worship God and you begin to pray and you just, something comes up out of you and you may give the Lord a shout. You may want to clap your hands. You may have to pull over to the side of the road and do a little dig, jig on the street. Sometimes you, you get into the car, you get to your place of work and you got to find another room and say thank you Jesus for this wonderful day. Thank you Jesus for being a mighty Savior because you got to step out. out of a, just a, just a communion with you and let your flesh cry out to the Lord as well. You see, God is teaching us, showing us how to build an intimate relationship with him. A relationship that's built on trust and blessing. A relationship that's built on revelation of who he is. In verse number 6, Matthew 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet when thou hast shut thy door. Pray unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret reward thee openly. There's something about when you pray, God's going to reward you. Verse, chapter number 6, the first four verses, the Bible says, thine, verse number 4, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee. There's something about when you come to the Lord in an intimate setting saying, God, I don't have all the answers, but if I commune with you and if I give to you, God will reward me. So not only will God reward me of my giving, he will reward me openly with prayer. But when they pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they should be heard of their much speaking. The same principle that is applied to giving is the same principle that is applied to prayer. We're just talking about something else. I don't pray outwardly to impress you. My prayers are not for to impress you, but they're a communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I seek the blessings of God, not of mortal men. 
So when I give, I don't give to bless you. I don't give for your your, uh, response. I do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. So the same principle that is applied to giving, God says I'm going to apply it to prayer. So when you find your secret place with me and you find that intimate time with me and communication and communion with, with me, I'm going to reward you and bless you in a way that you cannot comprehend. Verse number 8, be not, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Verse number 9, after this manner therefore pray ye. Somebody can say it with me. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm here to tell you today, I want this earthen vessel to have the will of the Father, to have the will of the kingdom, to have the understanding that it's not my will, but thy will be done. What does that mean? That I want to have such a intimate relationship with God that my will is broken and his will reign supreme thy kingdom come thy will be done everybody say in earth what is that talking about? In earth does not mean that does not mean that this world that we oh Lord, I want your kingdom to fall upon this earth. No, the Bible says, I am an earthen vessel. So I am an earthen vessel. God, I want your will to be done in this earthen vessel, in this person. And I want you, God, to intimately come into me, and God, that you can have the increase and all the glory. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I have in my scripture and my Bible the word glory. I want the glory of God to be revealed as he comes into this earthen vessel. What happens when God begins to sweep his spirit into my spirit and God begins to purge all the junk out of my life. Purge me with hyssop, O God. Psalms 51. Wash me, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. When God begins to press his nature into me, all glory and honor belongs to him. Bible says, verse number 11, give us this day our daily bread. It's not a weekly bread. It's a daily word from God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I want my life to be an example of the glory and the kingdom and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So prayer is necessary to have an intimate relationship with God. I am not preaching on this and I wrestled with it because I have never preached on these subjects necessarily as one conglomerate from a, on a Sunday message. We'll go through a, a giving series that probably takes six weeks and we'll go through all that probably this summer and it's going to be a great series and God will, God will truly bless you through his word. But I'm here to tell you today, I can't leave out giving and just pray because I'm not living in the full intimacy with God. I can't, I can't just give him my tithes and offering and forget to pray because I'm not fully intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that I am, everything that's in my spirit belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Pastor, you said three things. So what's the third thing? Well, the third thing, it starts at verse number 16. It is called fasting. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. I'm, it's amazing. He says, don't be like the hypocrites in verse number 5. And he says, don't be like those other men. In, in, in the first four verses of chapter number 6, he starts off again. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may be appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But when thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face that thou appear not unto men to fast but unto the father which is in secret and here it is again and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly ladies and gentlemen if you want to have a relationship with God of an intimate nature you got to give to him you got to pray and you need to fast unto the Lord Jesus Christ why do we fast why do we do the Daniel's fast because it brings blessing to the Lord and it brings something in our spirit that causes the old man to die and a new man to rise up and it's no mistake in verse number 19 of Matthew chapter number 6 there's no mistake of why this scripture changes again it says lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth 
nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He is saying of the three things, of tithing and offering, of prayer and fasting, those are things you're going to lay in heaven. When you lay those things in heaven, the thieves cannot break through and steal. But I'm here to tell you today, if I lack my prayer, a thief can break through and steal my finances or steal my fasting time. God, God, this world can steal those things. But if I want an intimate relationship with God and I want him to hold on me, on to me, and if I can hold on to him through prayer, through fasting, through giving of my offerings and tithes, the devil and anything in this world cannot break through and steal where I have laid my treasure for where your treasure is there will your heart be also the light of the body is the eye of therefore thine eye be single thy whole body shall be full of light but if thine eye be evil the whole body shall be full of darkness if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness verse number 24 we've read this many times over no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God or mammon you cannot serve the spirit of God and the spirit of this world God and mammon what is he saying mammon takes us all the way back to the to the time of Babylon that mammon is regarding money the pride of money the pride of this world that the, the attainment of the things of the world you cannot serve the pride of this world and serve God himself but how do I get to a place of intimacy with God that I can say Lord you're my master and you're my savior how can I prove to you that you are the lover of my life how can I prove to you that it's you and you alone he says give unto me pray unto me and consecrate your life through fasting through me and then it's amazing this is more of a Bible study, I suppose, than anything else. Matthew chapter 6, it changes again because he teaches on worry. Guess what? You don't have to take thought for tomorrow if you're giving everything and trust completely unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to think about what's coming up in your life. You don't have to think about what, uh, where you're, where you're, if, if you have food on your table. You don't have to worry about whether you have raiment for your body. You don't have to worry about all these things because you have an intimate relationship with God. And when you are walking into, in an intimate relationship with God, the Lord will be your provider. He will be your burden bearer. He will be the Christ, the Son of the living God. He will be the Savior of your soul because everything that you have belongs to Him him the parallel in Matthew chapter number six through all three things the areas that build an intimate relationship with God those three things have this in common that it stretches us and it causes us to trust in him I'm thankful that I have learned the practice of prayer that I have learned and not always great at it to learn to fast as you can see 21 day fast I didn't lose all the weight that I really wanted to lose during that but it, God gave me some spiritual insights through that fast that Daniel's fast I want to fast more than ever before I don't want to just fast a meal as I was joking with a, a man earlier this week he said I fast between meals I said, me too. But I want to get beyond fasting between meals. I want to say, God, you're trying to show me something. And Matthew, I think I believe it's in Matthew, I forgot which chapter, the Lord tells the disciples some things come with prayer and fasting. You see, the disciples had gone out. They had healed the sick. They did all these other things. And all of a sudden, their spiritualness dried up. They, 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 all of a sudden, they, they couldn't have laid hands on the sick and they didn't recover. But the Lord says some things, prayer will take you so far. But here, you need to fast a little bit more. Come and communion with the Lord. Have an intimate relationship with me again. And then they went out and God helped them overcome through prayer and fasting. Then they began to lay hands on the sick again. And they started to recover again. There is something to be said. Yeah, prayer is great. But sometimes you got to deny this flesh and allow the Lord to move through this body and move through this mind through fasting unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say prayer. Everybody say fasting. Everybody say giving. 
Now, I will say this. Not everybody has every, all these things down all the time. Some, you fast, but you don't couple your fast with prayer. That's a problem. Some of us pray, but don't bring fasting along with it at times. So it's difficult sometimes because you feel like your prayer is not going anywhere. It's just hitting the wall and falling back down. It's that time where you need to put some fasting with it. Put your flesh under subjection. If your finances are not blessed, maybe it's because you're not fully trusting in God. Let me tell you today, when finances get tight, that's more the reason to pray to, to give of your offering and your tithes to God. That's more of a reason. I thought that this message would go over like a lead balloon today. And lead balloons do not rise very high. And I knew that going into it. That's probably why I wrestled against this message here today. Did you know Malachi called for repentance? He called for repentance in Malachi chapter number 3. He says, For I am the Lord... I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. It's amazing. He says the sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them returned to me. And I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? How should I return to you? He said, will a man rob God? Yet he have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have I robbed thee? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all ye the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And that's just not talking about physical things. That meat is the meat of the word of Jesus Christ. How can the, the, the meat of the word be spread across this world? How the, can the meat of the word be delivered in a pulpit if there's nobody given to the house of the, the house of God? would not exist without the gifts of, of, of being returned to the throne of God. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out, out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive, her, to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit by the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, and ye shall be de delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, why are you so blessed? Why are you so, why do you, why do you are so blessed? And I'm here to tell you, I'm not that blessed, but what I am is I have rebuked the devourer in my life, and he cannot touch what God has blessed. Bible, Malachi says he gives us a time of repentance. He says we need to repent because of our lack of giving to the storehouse. Everybody say repentance. Okay. Well, that's Matthew chapter number 6 again. Verse number 10 on prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Verse number 12. Forgive me, O God, of my debts. As we forgive our debtors. What is he saying? God forgive me that I have not prayed to you. Forgive me God of the lack of doing that I know what is right. But I still don't do it. Forgive me God. Forgive me God for not doing what's right. Now I'm, I'm not going to take up an offering. We've already given. There's a reason why we gave before the message today. This is not about increasing the budget for the church. This is not to increase the salary of the pastor. This is not to increase, to buy things. What it is, is I want this church to grow to a place that we are in intimate communion with God. The purpose of this message is not to bring conviction to your soul and, and point any fingers. No, I want you to have a deep, intimate relationship with God built on trust on His Word. With God. That word intimacy means closeness. These three things that I've mentioned, it brings me closer to the Lord. Intimacy means togetherness. These three things bring 
a closeness of togetherness with God, a strength of one another. It brings an affinity to the Lord that I have learned to love Him because He becomes my protector. He becomes my Savior. The Bible says He rebukes the devourer. So when I give of my treasure, my time, and prayer and supplication to Him, the Lord says, now I can protect you because you have loved me as my word expressed you should love. So He rebukes the devourer. There's a rapport with him. I like this next word. Intimacy means there is an attachment with him. There's a friendliness. There's a friendship. There's an affection. There's warmth. And there's confidence in God. Maybe we don't pray because we don't really not confident that God will answer us. Maybe we don't fast because it's uncomfortable and we don't think there's really much um, much produced from that. Maybe it's you don't give to the Lord because you don't have much confidence that you would rather, you know what you can do with that money, but you don't know what God's going to do. I'd rather give back what's rightfully God's and make sure that treasure is in heaven. And God sees that, and he can bless me through prayer, through fasting, and through giving. So I ask you today, so now we come to a time of repentance. (laughs) says, God, I know I've not done well in my fasting, or I've not done well in my prayer, Maybe I've not done well in my giving. So I ask you, God, to forgive me. And I want to make it right. See, this is an uncomfortable sometimes message by by a pastor, but I I felt as though the Lord spoke to me. And he said, if this church wants to grow, you need to grow in an intimate relationship with me. You see, the pastor deals with some of these things too. You see, I, I don't like to push back the plate. It's a reason why I'm in the size of the jacket that I'm in. But the Lord's trying to tell me, young man, you don't need to fast once a month. Maybe you need to bump that up to once a week. Maybe you need to, while you're making your meals for your family, maybe you just say no and allow me to speak to you for a little bit longer. Maybe, maybe you need to go to your office and kneel in a chair And not only push back the plate, but find a place to pray and seek my face. Because God has drawn us to an intimate relationship with Him. I don't want to be a pastor that turns the light on when I want the God to show up. But I want the light of the Lord Jesus through Christ to shine in me every single day. I need to have an intimate relationship with God area of your life you're struggling with? What area do you find yourself not having confidence in God? I'm asking you right now to begin to utter the words, God, forgive me if my lack of confidence. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God, right now that I've fallen short. God, I want to fall into that intimate relationship with you. I want you to speak to me, and I want you to know that I have full trust in you here today. Come on, let's pray right now.